0: Welcome to A Moment of Bach, and welcome back to our Brandenburg Concerto number no. five mini-series. This is the last episode of three episodes in this mini-series where we talk about the three movements of this lovely work. We are your hosts, Alex and Christian Giebert, and this is a podcast where we talk about our favorite moments by Bach, and we show you why we think they are remarkable. And here is our moment for today from the Brandenburg Concerto number no. 5, movement 3. For the finale of this Brandenburg Concerto, we get the most delightful jig. In six-eight time, one, two, three, four, five, six. If you're counting it that way, which I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Oh. But one and a two and a maybe. It's in two-four though, <laughs> technically, because he just writes them as triplets. But I mean, it's the same thing. Huh. The happy opening section is based on a wonderfully festive motif in the happy key of D major. The main harpsichord feature was in back in the first movement, but there's still plenty for the harpsichordists to do here as well in terms of their obligato playing. Playing of parts that Bach has almost entirely written out. Occasionally they sink back into a background role, but they have a lot of busy stuff in the right hand. Then we enter a second section in B minor. We know we're in the secondary key of B minor when the tonality shifts and we hear this long repeated Bs in the bass instruments. And then in this this middle section, the second section, Bach takes the first four notes of his opening motif, ba-bum, ba-bum, and he makes those the basis for this next section. He was always a master of economy of means. So here we see that he's just using the first few notes and spinning them out into a little bit of variety here a lot of work for the solo violin and solo flute and also the right hand of the harpsichord i decided to pick three small moments today the one that you heard in the opening will be the last of those three but first there's a nice moment where the energy builds that i want to focus on whenever there are overlapping entries of that subject that we hear of that opening motif It builds in intensity. In music theory, we call that stretto. It happens a lot in this movement. And in one point, that's a little bit sort of innocuous, but it's just the harpsichord by itself. The harpsichord right hand begins a statement of this jig melody in B minor. And then the left hand follows a canon at the octave lower and it goes on like that for a while. The canon actually is strict the whole time. It's just the harpsichord by itself for a good 13 measures or so, a long time. It goes by so fast, Alex, I think it's kind of hard to appreciate this, like some things in Bach, but it is truly a canon. In other words, when the right hand melodic part enters, it has the material that it has. The left hand enters two beats later, has the exact same material, one octave lower. Same notes, an octave lower, but two beats later. It's a true canon. It's a specific counterpoint skill that the composer has to have to be able to pull something like this off. Usually when we hear an imitative thing like that, it's over in one or two bars, and then everyone's just matching harmony after that. But here, it really it really does. It really works. And then secondly, I'd like to direct our attention to... This is actually almost a little bit so obvious that it might seem a little bit silly, but I just love how we just get right back into the original material. We finish this B section, and so... We have boxed manuscript here. We know that the piece is in a ternary form, ABA. The A section, we're calling it section A, an entire first section, it concluded when we entered B minor. The whole middle section was like a development. And then the A section is the same, except for one thing. Did you notice here at the end of the manuscript, how it's the difference? How the repeat of the final entire section how will it be different i mean it can't be different because bach actually didn't write it out did he right it says decapo here <clears throat> bach wrote out in all the parts and and after every part in the score it means go back to the beginning but it won't be exactly the same because of this right here on the downbeat mm. a, big oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a big old chord yeah big old d major chord <laughs> So when we started, that did not happen. Such a nice and sudden switch back into the original section. And then we get to enjoy the happy dance again, all the way until the end. But the end is also a little bit functionally different, I guess, even though it's not written out at all by Bach. This is the second thing that's not written, but it's different, and that's because they have to slow down at the end. So the act of slowing down at the very end, like you must do in basically all fast Baroque movements, just to... Put the brakes on and get to the end is what makes it a little different than when we ended the first time, when we ended that section the first time. Let's hear a comparison. Here is the ending of the first section when it has to go on. And here is the true ending. What I love about the ending, it's this... Same, I mean, the notes are the same as in both times that we played, but you can hear this a little bit better at the end because it's slower, is the anticipation of the last chord. I love that. Because he could have done... But he does this. So it is almost like the last chord is anticipated early. Mm -hmm. And that is what we would call these tones... These would be called anticipations if we're using music theory terminology. The harpsichordist Richard Egar here does a great thing at the end. He plays that whole chord with the orchestra, that anticipated moment that's just right before the last note. And then on that last chord, he decorates it by rolling a big, huge chord on the harpsichord there. It's really nice. Yeah, the the anticipated note is not rolled at all right it's just flat it's or it's played straight or it's just played you know block chord and then yeah and then the last chord is just this resplendent like thing yeah it's just it's it's a great little contrast and it's a perfect ending too because it's not too long either and he has he has time to do this big arpeggio and then boom it's done it doesn't overstay its welcome either yeah it's it didn't have to have this big grandiose ending it's not overly ponderous or anything it's just delightful (laughs) And the, the way that the instruments push up and up and up and up the last eight or nine bars or so in a sequence until we finally have three measures of just the tune again the nice little jig melody again for just a few measures and that's it and now we will play all three of these short moments from brandenburg concerto number no. five movement three here is the first moment that harpsichord canon. here is the second moment, the big D major chord at the recapitulation of the A section. And here is that third and last moment, the ending of the movement. this episode and the previous two episodes inspired you to learn more about and listen to this recording of the Brandenburg Concerto No. 5 by the Netherlands Bach Society, then we're glad that we inspired you and that we gave you a new aspect to enjoy about box music. Please visit that link to see more by the Netherlands Bach Society, who always do such a great job with their recordings. Do you want to hear our new episodes as we release them find us on your podcast app and hit subscribe so now that our mini series on this Brandenburg concerto has concluded alex what will we be doing next week next week we will return to box vocal works we'll look at a motet der geist hilft unser schwachheit auf ewv 226 until next time enjoy those moments